Brainwaves, hear the world differently, bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. I would like to begin by paying my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional custodians of the land on which I am coming to you from today. Land where at Brainwaves we tell our stories, and land where the traditional custodians have told their stories for many, many years before us, and continue to tell their stories. I would like to pay my respects to Elders past and present, and acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners who are listening today. Hello and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR, 8.55am on your dial via the app or the online stream. My name is Flick Manning and I'm your host. Joining me today on the show is Leah Turton. Leah has lived with Crohn's disease for 16 years. She's undergone extensive surgeries, has lived experience with anxiety, PTSD, depression, adoption, domestic violence and parental alienation. She also created My Two Feet, a business where she promotes inclusivity, awareness of invisible illnesses like Crohn's disease and mental illness. And it's a real pleasure to have her on the show today. So Leah, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I can't wait to get started. Well, you don't have to wait long because we are diving right in there. (laughs) So Leah, what does the term mental health mean to you? Mental health uh, to me is basically... How healthy your brain is, really. Uh, what sort of comes to mind when it comes to the way you feel, the way you act, how you portray yourself. And that can come about by different experiences you go through, different uh, um, situations you're involved in, and different scenarios. I think they all portray you know, different sides of your emotional and mental well-being in a sense that you know your mental health uh, can be determined by what others say and you you know you can act either positively or negatively towards it so in a sense it's really about the health of your brain and what your thoughts and feelings are that's that's my take on what I really like is. that. I like that take because I think you're right that it is sort of there's sort of context and circumstances that influence your mental health and that can change on a day-to-day basis and I think that's something that we don't actually think about too often we think about it more as this diagnostic sort of aspect of it like as if it's constant but I think actually mental health shifts all the time based on those circumstances so I think you've highlighted that really yes. well yeah now um thank you what- what has made you want to become a more public advocate for things like mental illness and chronic disease when many people really try to keep them hidden? So what's inspired you to talk about it? Okay, yeah, this is a really good topic for me, really good question. So to me, I think it's really, really important to be upfront and honest, especially when it comes to dealing with anybody and everybody in your life because I feel the more they understand you, the more they can learn to understand what you're going through, the more they may be able to 
you know, look for to, for ways to, you know, educate themselves and in, in, in ways that they can support you and help you and hopefully not trigger you. But also I think um, it's important to be able to be a voice for people that, like myself, well, like I used to be, uh, that do want to hide away and do feel the stigma that surrounds, uh, you know, mental health or chronic illness, physical illness. Uh, I really want to be a voice for them and promote the fact that despite, you know, your condition, your, you know, whether it's neurological or physical or uh, internal, you are still you, you are still a blessing, you know, you are just a unique person that uh, shouldn't be afraid to come out. You shouldn't hide behind uh, the stigma that is attached with that side of things um, because you can still do things in a way. It might not be how everybody else can do it, but you can still do them to the best of your capabilities. And I think everybody should be able to do that without having to hide away and without worrying about what anybody thinks so I've decided to do that um, you know do that side of things and, and be open about it because the more somebody can understand me the more they can help me and I feel that the more people that understand the importance of that and how they can probably not being afraid to you know put yourself out there and, and by being upfront and honest and open. I love that. I love how quickly that sort of um, response about being upfront and honest came to you at the forefront of that sort of answer. And I think that's such a beautiful way of putting it. I think so many people, certainly that I've spoken to who have the experience of mental illness and also maybe at the same time have chronic illness, they often talk about that, the sort of feeling of honesty of just being able to share exactly who they are and how important that has actually been in their road, in their journey uh, of learning how to to live quite well with the conditions that they're dealing with. So I really, you know, commend you for getting out there and talking about it. It takes Thank a you. lot of us <laughs> for doing it, yeah, to actually make that change. It's very important. And it's <laughs> important that we stretch ourselves outside of our comfort zones too sometimes. So Yes, very much so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, Leah, in terms of your advocacy, just following that path a little bit more, you have been very open on social media and your website about your journey, uh, even documenting what you have learned, say, for example, from previous surgeries and how you've used that self-awareness to adapt to the changing needs of your body and your mind. And I respect that a lot because it does take a lot of work and commitment to become sort of that self-aware. Now, on the back of your most recent major surgery, which is very recent in this circumstance, would you say that there's anything new that you feel you've learned about mental health and physical health, the axis or the connection between the two that you didn't know previously or have had your eyes opened in some sort of way by this most recent surgery? Yes, that's a great question. Um, it's funny you say that, actually. My first surgery uh, occurred about two months after I was diagnosed in 2008. And uh, basically, it was a massive resection and ileostomy. It was the removal of a, a huge abscess that uh, they missed. Um, and basically, uh, the day after that surgery, I was set up without any pain medication or notification that that was what was happening. I was set up for a shower. Uh, that was fine. Got over that. 
got to the shower and ended up having to to shower myself, which was even worse, but that's okay. I um I basically told myself from that day forward that that's if I can tolerate that much pain then, then whatever comes my way, as long as it doesn't, you know, surpass that, then you know, I'd be happy to just go with the flow and, and see, you know, see how things go and just, just accept that that's part of the condition. And anyway, so fast forward 16 years to my recent surgery. Uh, I actually learned that there's, uh, there's different um, aspects of pain and what we consider pain. And my recent surgery, it uh, brought to light a, a, a pain that um, I never actually thought of, uh, just a different kind of uh, response from the body that, um, you know, it took me a little while to accept and to move forward with, but it just reminded me to always be open and, and just to try and roll with the punches as they happen because it's just imperative to, you know, to roll with the punches and set yourself a, a you know, a baseline. And if you can tolerate it because it's it's not as bad as, you know, what you previously experienced, then then that's great. And then and go from there. If it is worse, then just find that courage that, you know, you know you've got in there to, to continue on and to push past it. And it's just yeah, it's just it's incredible what people uh, have to go through when it comes to, you know, chronic pain. Uh, and you know, mental well-being uh, is important, especially when it comes to to coping with it. And little milestones from sitting up, walking around after surgery, eating—all of those things should be taken on board as as pluses and celebrated because they all help with your mindset. And that I think is uh, where the mental and physical link is, uh, from my point of view. Yeah, great answer. I completely agree with you on that. Now, so what are some of the biggest differences, would you say, in your mindset between your life before illness became part of the norm versus now when it is part of the norm? Uh, so <laughs> back in the day, uh, well, I got diagnosed when I was 27. Uh, so that's, uh, I won't tell you how long ago that was, but, <laughs> but it was a while ago. Um, um, so Okay, so the difference is then was uh, when I was diagnosed, I just, oh, yeah, I shoved it under the mat, knew nothing about what my condition was, just, yeah, okay, I'll take my medication, this, that, and the other. Uh, there was just no care whatsoever. Um, and then, yeah, the first surgery hit, and as soon as I got over that, carried on, just, yeah, okay, that's it. I thought that was going to be the end of it. But the last 16 years have taught me the importance of really – you know, taking the time to learn as much as you can about your condition and, you know, really take on board the advice that your doctors are giving you, you know, whether it's going down the natural path or, you know, the medical path. I think it's, you know, the 16 years have taught me that it's important to know your condition and have people around you that really want to be there. I mean, I've lost a lot of friends and that due to not understanding my condition or not taking the time to learn what it is, you know, um, about it and what they can do to support me. And I think most importantly, not taking on board 
the the fact that there's support for them also, not just me, but there is support out there for carers, you know, partners of those that um, had just been diagnosed with a chronic condition. And I'll tell you what, if you don't, you know, if you don't take heed of the, you know, the education surrounding your condition or the support that's out there, um, then, yeah, it's going to be a tough road. I mean, like I said, I've lost friends and families because I don't understand my condition. Um, didn't really want to be a part of, you know, the situation, particularly the last eight years. Uh, uh, that's been the roughest for me. Um, and, you know, that's really been my lesson is is being uneducated and blasé about something as opposed to now living it and educating myself and knowing what to look for, you know, being hypervigilant about certain changes, you know, that my body's making to to jump on board and really, you know, understand what's going on and having that support network around you to, you know, not push you down and, and put you in this little box where, you know, um, you're hidden and away from the world because, you know, your condition or the stigma surrounding chronic illness, uh, you know, is that, oh, you know, you've got a chronic illness, you can't do this, you can't do that, you know, whatever people seem to think. Um, you get away from that and find a support network that yeah, pushes you out there, pulls you out of that box and tells you you're awesome and, you know, backs you up as your advocate for really um, – yeah, boosting your confidence and telling you you are awesome irrespective of how you do things. Just, yeah, it's important. Couldn't agree yeah. with you more, Leah. Couldn't agree with you more. That The people that surround you um, are extremely important. I think that's very highlighted in chronic illness and mental illness. I think, weirdly enough, all human beings do require that. We all need our own cheer squad. Um, in life to some extent but I think it's even more profoundly important <laughs> it becomes maybe <laughs> much more obvious when you're dealing with a chronic illness and mental yeah. illness yeah so I fully and completely get that Leah now you've had a lot of large events really happen in your life I mean at the beginning I went through sort of some of the different things that you have experienced in your life um, you know parental alienation you've got all these surgeries from your chronic illness we've got domestic violence we've got a whole, a whole range of different things um, in there so you've really been sort of you know stretched and challenged as many of us often are when we've got multiple things that have happened in our journey um, but from that you've clearly learned a lot and experienced a lot that shapes the kind of work that you're doing especially in, in regards to sort of the advocacy side of things um, could you take us through a challenging mental health moment for you from within any of those sort of journeys and describe I guess what you have learned coming through it to where you are today yeah sure that's a great question so as you discussed I've got experience with um depression anxiety and PTSD now depression was this you know was quite a difficult one it took me about five years to understand that um you know I needed what I needed to do basically I needed to accept my condition and accept the fact that I may not be able to do things, you know, 
a conventional way, but I can still do them and I'll do them, you know, in my time. And once I realised that I was able to put in, you know, into place coping mechanisms for different scenarios, which I knew would trigger or could possibly trigger, um, you know, depression. And that's you know, bad news from the doctor or, or, or anything along those lines. Um, anxiety. Now that was a good one uh, until recently. I, I had that under, under control uh, for the first time in about 13 years. My ileostomy actually gave me the freedom to travel on my own, not have to hunt out, you know, a toilet where uh, unfortunately if you're in public, and you've got the wrong person next to you or at the at the basin who likes to point out just how you know terrible your events in a bathroom were um without even asking you know what the issue is um so i had that anxiety you know for 13 years about using the bathrooms public bathrooms traveling and that so my ileostomy actually brought me all that freedom i didn't have to worry about any of that side of things but um unfortunately uh due to my reversal <laughs> uh, that side of things are starting to come back a little so i'm hoping to put into place some you know, um, coping mechanisms that uh, i've kind of learned from the depression side of things that will hopefully help me with that. Uh, PTSD, now that's a, an interesting one. I was able to use, you know, some of my coping mechanisms from depression um, to deal with that. It's it's still ongoing and I still get triggered, but um, basically, uh, you know, loud noises, um, any form of violence, uh, you know, whether it's in a movie, I, you know, I shot away from initially. Um, and, that's still an ongoing issue with me, unfortunately. Um, but the depression and anxiety side of things are pretty much under control. So, yeah, it's tricky. Um. So it sounds like as if you've had, obviously, with your different uh, mental health conditions, you've been able to kind of start to work out what your triggers are and how to yep. sort of cope with some of those. So obviously some of these conditions that we've been sort of touching on today are ones that people do often keep quite silent and, in fact, even the media and all sorts of other different places are often very silent about these sorts of things and that can actually pose a real barrier for people to get the support that they need or to even be aware that there is support available for them in the first place. It's a little bit like out of sight, out of mind with a lot of this yeah. kind of stuff. So as somebody who obviously is out there publicly advocating for awareness and, you know, for people to feel included and safe and accepted, um, if you were in possession of, you know, a, a magic genie that popped out of a bottle and you could make immediate changes to the world, what changes would you put in place to make the pathway for people experiencing chronic illness um, you know, domestic violence or mental health, just that little bit easier to traverse. Sure. Oh, I love that. I wish that would happen. <laughs> um, so basically, I think the most important thing is uh, educating your children at home. I think it, it all starts there. So if I could put a program out there that helped people to, you know, in the everyday life where they when they spend time um, teaching the kids or, or educating the kids, whether it's reading a book, what have you. If I had the money to maybe create a series of books that, uh, you know, people can use to educate people about, you know, different chronic illnesses, neurological illness, sorry, neurological uh, 
conditions and or physical disabilities, um, I think that would really help in a sense that, you know, when kids come across that, they're not going to point out to that person because they look different or because they act different. You know, I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to education. So if I could put a program in place that educated our kids, even the adults out there, so an education, an educational program would be the, the one thing that I would um, definitely put in place because with acceptance, you know, comes understanding. With understanding, you know, comes vulnerability, I guess, of, of those like me that uh, do hide away, you know, and, and that that's super important and the most important thing I want to do is to help people to, you know, come out of their shell and not be afraid of who they are. Crumbled piece of paper or a flat piece of paper, if you want to put it, you know, it's just a scenario or in context with the stigma that's out there. We're all the same. You know, it's all still the same piece of paper and we all deserve the right to or should have the right to put ourselves out there. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. And you know what? Like <laughs> all of the data and stuff supports it too. It's not just sort of, you know, like a pipe dream idea. It's a really it's a really solid one. I mean, kids that, for example, kids that are, you know, come into contact with, say, for example, food intolerances or triggers when they are young, if they are educated, for example, on how to cook for themselves with the ingredients that they can have and become aware of those things, they actually will just automatically start asking people, adults and children around them every time there's food, you know, do you have any allergies? Is there, you know, can you eat this? Is this okay for you? So it's actually amazing how simple it is for children to adopt these kinds of very simple accessible practices it's often the adults I think that you know they have been left for long enough time they don't realize how important it actually is but I think it's when children are being educated their parents are being educated at the same time so I love exactly that that's right <laughs> Thank it's you. a two-for-one deal you know what can get better than that <laughs> that's it <laughs> what has surprised you the most about the public perception of mental illness and chronic illness? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, the lack of empathy, actually. Um, I think I touched based on on scenarios that happened to me, you know, when my gastrointestinal system is complete like it is now, going to a public bathroom, you know, because that particular event might have been quite upsetting for me, getting the, the abusive comments or the judgmental looks, you know, not, you know, not not understanding um, that that particular person might have an issue, you know, internal issue that they've got no control over. I mean, I don't run out there and want to make, you know, all the horrible noises and whatever is happening with my system that day on purpose. I don't, you know, I don't run out there to, you know, to to cause a scene I mean that's never my intention the last thing the last thing somebody in my shoes wants to do is bring attention to themselves because you know at times it does make you embarrassed so I think um you know just lack of empathy a lack of compassion lack of understanding lack of education um I think that's yeah you know, the most important things I think that people could try and work on I think you know my father had a brain hemorrhage and a stroke when I was 12. And, you know, I vowed and declared 
you know, I was going to protect them and, and do whatever I could, and but nothing, nothing prepared me for the comments and the and the looks and the the misunderstanding and the the judgments that come about with somebody that doesn't look the same or doesn't act the same, you know. And I think that really encouraged me to be empathetic, you know. Oh, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Leah, I've really enjoyed getting to know the person behind the blog <laughs> and behind the social <laughs> media. You. It's been really, really good. And I, again, commend you on the advocacy work that you are doing. It's not an easy road to take, but it's so, so important. And um, I will certainly yeah. be cheering on you as you go through this journey. So thank you very much for being on the show today. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time. And um, I'm just stoked that I got to do my first interview with you, Flick. You're an inspiration and somebody I aspire to be like because you're just out there yep, being you and that's what I want to do too and try and help as many people as possible along with you. So thank you. Thank you very much. My gosh, I'm ending on a nice warm fuzzy, everybody, and I hope that you are – I think you all have somebody in your life giving you a warm fuzzy. If not, give it to yourself today because you all deserve it. And, Leah, Absolutely. thank you again. Um, now, you can reach Thank out you. to Leah if you want to chat or learn more about the sort of subjects that she talks about at mytwofeet.com.au and also on her Instagram and Facebook page. We will post those links as well so you can get straight through to Leah and make contact with her. And as I wrap up the show, as I always do, I want to remind you that your mental health is of equal importance to your physical health. So if you are yet to nurture and align them together today, Now's your chance, so take a nice big inhale, a lovely deep exhale, and as always, remember to shower yourself in the kindness that you so easily give to others. I look forward to chatting with you next time on Brainwaves. If you're wrestling with feelings of anxiety, worry and depression, or finding the current social isolation measures hard to deal with, we would like to encourage you to call Wellways Helpline. Wellways Helpline is a volunteer support and referral service that provides information to people experiencing mental health issues or other disabilities, as well as their family, friends and carers. We're here to talk if you are seeking information about mental health or mental health services or just need someone to talk to. As a peer-based service, everyone working at Wellways Helpline has a lived experience of mental health issues or disability. Wellways Helpline is a national service and operates Monday to Friday 9am to 9pm, excluding public holidays. If you feel it would be helpful to talk to someone about these issues during this difficult period, please call Wellways Helpline on 1300 111 500. That's 1300 111 500. Wellways supports 3CR.